Abba Yahweh, this new day, opportunity to be up sharing your word, sharing your gospel. Father God, thank you. Blessing me to bless others. <clears throat> Draw them to your word, Father God. Share with them your truth, your knowledge, your wisdom. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. For they that have an ear to let them hear, lean in and listen, seek your truth, seek your face, seek your knowledge and your wisdom, Father God. And then I can be the planter of those seeds. Ava Yahweh Aman, Yeshua Haman, Paraklito Saman. Yes, thank you, Father Jesus Christ. So some interesting thoughts and processes. And the Spirit just, <laughs> just this second touched on my thoughts. And why, why is the, why is it the rule of faith to read forward and back, to go from the front to the end of the Bible and then from the end of the Bible back, head toward the front? And looking through the word today and, and my readings, and we're instructed to do that very thing even in life and not just in the word. Regula fidele, rule of faith, Latin. And of course, there's going to be some, <clears throat> pardon me, there's going to be some man or woman that's going to decide that they coined the phrase rule of faith. Well, actually, God decided that. And it was when Israel, the nation of Israel, was getting ready to cross the river, go into the promised land. And they were told, and Joshua told the elders of all the tribes, clans, whatever you want to call them, the groups of people, that were getting ready to cross the river into the promised land. He told them, you tell the people to look back. You tell the people to look back and refresh their memory on all the times that God stayed with us. Even when they were whining and crying, we had water in the wilderness. Whining and crying, we had manna from heaven. Heavenly bread, and they still whined and cried about it. Oh, my goodness. And then God, of course, quail and pheasant, because they were whining about bread from heaven. My goodness gracious. Look back. I look back and see when the Lord was with me. And I'm reminded, there are many, many things, many times. I think I shared with you when I was 
driving 18 wheelers still. And I was coming around this, what a, what a terribly designed, the engineers on this, on this highway section were, I don't know what they were thinking, <coughs> but there was, um, what it was, it was a ramp from one of the bypass freeways and there's a lot of them in LA and they started putting those in after the main lines were already in. They realized that with the more influx of people coming that they had to do something and it doesn't matter now because everything stops, comes to a grinding halt. But this section had this on-ramp that joined the uh, northbound freeway. But the point is that this thing was terrible vision. What it created was a blind turn on the lower section of the freeway. So when you went around, you you... And if you didn't know, and we're not familiar with the section of the freeway, you you wouldn't know and you'd get in a terrible wreck. And this is, <laughs> my perception is this is probably why there's so many wrecks on the freeway down there is because people don't know. They're traveling through and they don't know that there are areas like this. But in this one section, here's his tow truck and he's hooking up and just lifting up the car and adjusting everything. But... He's up against the wall on this turn, and the wall is the support for the on-ramp, and it's an upper section, and when I'm coming around this turn, if I had stayed on the inside lane where I had intended, but that voice said, move out, move out now move out now. And so I just checked the traffic in the mirror, looked over my shoulder and moved the truck out and around and just cleared the back end of the automobile that was hooked up to this tow truck that was in a terrible place to begin with. No cones, no reflectors, nothing as a warning that something was there. Guy just pulled in the tow truck and started hooking up the car to go. Had I not moved out, I would have hit the back end of that car, which would have took out both of the tow driver and the owner of the vehicle or the driver of the car because they were both standing in between the bed of the truck and the car. Foolish place to be anyway. Why they were staying there, I have no idea. Why there were no cones, reflectors, I have no idea. But it was a blind turn. A blind turn. The Lord was with me. The Lord guided my steps. Do we not travel blind turns and blind corners? And here's the thing. The Lord has walked the day before we walk, before we get up and we pray into it and we go through it, the Lord's already been there. So we need to rely on the Lord. We need to have faith that the detour is the road. It might be a way that we've traveled and walked countless times, 
But on this particular day, the Lord says, you know, we need to do something different. We are going to do something different. I'm going to have you go this way. Just do it. Just do it. You don't question God, the maker of all things made. But Father, why? Isn't that going to take longer? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Goodness gracious. People do that now. Grown-ups do that now. Whine and cry and wanking to God about anything and everything that can be imagined. And what does the Bible tell us? Be thankful. Praise God in all things. In all things. Prayer and supplication. And we don't know, but the very thing may be something God intended us to be blessed by, which is actually the intent 99.9% of the time. Sometimes it's necessary admonishment. God is a good father, and any good father will dish that out now and again. But the thing of it is that more often, God is looking to bless us, show us his love, his compassion for us. Brothers and sisters, we just need to stay focused and stop crying about everything that happens. Everything that goes on, we tend to cry about or wonder about or ask about. But Father, why is that? Why did you allow them to do that? Why can't I do that? Why is it that you're letting them do that? I want to do that. I can do that in the church. Here's the thing. I've shared this with you before. Do not compare yourself to anyone else or anything else because that is a tool of Satan. It is a tool that he uses for you to compare, self-examine, and ultimately you will not be satisfied with the outcome and you will self-debase, berate yourself, question yourself, question your ability <clears throat> when everything that you do and everything that God has you doing around the church or whatever you're doing and sharing the word and the truth is for his glory and benefit anyway. So why are you whining and crying? Because you're not able to perform the tasks that somebody else has been doing and you're claiming that you can, but actually you can't. The reality is that you can't do it very well. You won't perform the task very well. And ultimately, there will be problems that ensue because, quite frankly, you didn't do it right. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. We have different anointings. Father God anoints us to different tasks within the body. There are others that can perform bookkeeping, a necessity that has to be done in this day and age in the churches. And there are others that 
can be speakers, song leaders. Well, I was in chorus in high school, and I actually led a uh, musical, I can do that, I can do that, I can do that. If God intended for you to do it, he'd lead you to that. Why are you going to complain about everything that God has us to doing anyway? Why does it have to be a complaint? Don't be like the nation of Israel traveling through the desert and crying about everything that God did for them. He was a pillar of cloud in the day. He was a pillar of fire by night to give them warmth and comfort and let them know that he was still there. They cried about that. They cried about the water. So Moses was told to provide them water. And he did. God told him how to do it, and he did. They cried about being hungry, so he brought them manna from heaven. Heavenly bread God brought, and they cried and whined about that because they couldn't collect it and hold on to it. He told them how to use it. They didn't want to follow his directions, and there were those that piled it up, and it turned to worms. They stockpiled it. They didn't follow what God told them to do. And they whined and cried about that. So then he provided them pheasants and quail to bring them meat. And they complained about that. And Joshua told them when they were crossing into Canaan, that they were to look back, not to look back in remorse and regret, but to look back and remember that God was with them every step of the way. Remember when he was with us through the wilderness. Remember when he was with us, the pillar of smoke by day, the pillar of fire by night. Remember, look back and know that your Lord thy God was with you whithersoever you went. And he reminds us today not to be afraid. Not to be afraid. <clears throat> we have to remember to and look back. Psalm 92, written by David, a song that he wrote in worship of the Sabbath day, Sabbath. Shabbat Shalom. For thou, Lord, hath made me glad through thy work. I will triumph in the works of thy hands. O Lord, how great are thy works, and thy thoughts are very deep. A brutish man knoweth not, neither doth a fool understand this. When the wicked spring is the grass, and when all the workers of iniquity do flourish, it is, that, it is that they shall be destroyed forever. But thou, Lord, art most high forevermore. <coughs> Pardon me. <coughs> Pardon me. When David's saying these things, He's reminding us that we can't look and compare what everyone else has going on. 
We can't do that. We're not supposed to that. We're told not to do that in other places in the Bible. Not to look and compare ourselves. Satan uses that as a tool. When we start comparing ourselves to others, then we start degrading ourselves, belittling ourselves, self-degradation and, oh man, I'm not, man, I can't get that. I can't even do that. That's a little saying, God doesn't even want me to do that. Man, I must just be, and then if you keep listening to that white noise interference and you keep believing and you keep comparing to others, then you're going to just wind up slumping yourself down in your recliner and rolling the stone over the front of your tomb and just sitting in there in the dark and not doing anything at all. Brothers and sisters, God has us to do specific things at a specific time for a specific reason. And you have to remember, too, that as David wrote and sang about very relevant times, uh, you go through the book of Psalms, David is constantly, he was a troubled man. There were troubles that were going on, and much of this were thoughts in his own mind. You can read through the book of Psalms and see this to be so. And it's as relevant at his time as it is in our time. And people talk about the relevancy of the Bible and how irrelevant it is and needs to be rewritten and blah, 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 blah. Why? Because some guy, some group of guys, some group of gals decided that it was not relevant and because it doesn't talk about so-and-so and so-and-so and it doesn't mention uh, anything by specific group name title. Uh, excuse me, open your eyes, lean in, pay attention because it does speak specifically to certain groups and items and thoughts and ways that they are doing. And there are people that say that it does not. Uh, I beg to differ. Not going to get confrontational about this, but you have the LGBTQRST alphabet group, whatever they call themselves. I don't even keep up with this because they were at one time one thing, then they changed another, then they changed another and changed another. Can't even keep up with it anymore. Just know that specifically in the Bible, there is a passage, passages actually, that talk about this thing. That it is not righteous, it's not truth, and that there is a search going on, and that Satan is using his wiles to entrap and snare, and because people are searching and looking and unsure, he's able to trap them. But the good thing of it is that repentance is always available. Repentance is always available. Always available. (coughs) And do not, 
do not listen to anyone that says, oh, God's just going to condemn you. God's just going to condemn you. No, he doesn't. God doesn't condemn anyone. The only condemnation comes from self. Self-condemnation. If you decide not to accept that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God, you condemn yourself to hell. God doesn't condemn you to hell. Here's the thing that people don't get. Hell was created in certain dimensions for one purpose and one purpose only. And that purpose was to contain Satan and the minions that decided to follow him. That was the only reason that hell was created. However, because Satan and his minions are hard at work and looking to separate more and more and more from eternity with God, Jesus, and their loved ones, and he looks to separate, hell had to be expanded. Hell had to be renovated and remodeled and rebuilt and the walls pushed out. And that's happening all the time. Sadly, more and more people are falling prey to the wiles of the devil. And they're choosing to go that route. They are self-condemning. You're made with a choice. Do you choose to accept that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God and that he came to die for you? He came and died for me and anyone else that would believe and hear. God does not mind that you, in your mindset, is that you alter the verses in the Bible to apply to you. He doesn't mind that you make his word personal. He desires you to make it personal. He wants you to make his word personal personal. He wants to have a personal relationship with us. He wants that. He's a good, good father. He desires a personal relationship with each and every one of us. He wants that. Our good, good father. He provides for us. He walks with us. That song I keep thinking of that song when I talk about these things. He walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. As we tarry there, it's talking about the garden. I walk alone in the garden while the dew is still on the roses. And we're walking much like he did in the Garden of Eden when he walked with Adam and Eve. And he shared with them. He fellowshiped with them. And then the fall. And then Satan came in with his wiles and convincing speech. They turned away. And they were naked and afraid. And God's good father, of course, knowing already, who told you that you were naked? Did you eat from the tree in the center of the garden, which I told you not to do? Oh, it was her fault. 
That woman that you made for me, it was her fault. She did it. You made her for me. She did that. What a... Huh. So, <laughs> he's trying to blame Eve. At the same time, he's blaming God that somehow God's fault that she was so easily coerced and tempted. That's God's fault. God made her for him. So it's God's fault that she came and tempted him. Oh my goodness gracious. This is how people are today. People today turn around and they try to blame God for everything. The truth of the matter is that even natural disasters and things that go on, it's not God making them happen, God doing this or God doing... We have chosen places that we decide to build and live that are not a good place to be, shouldn't probably do it, but yet we do, and we live there anyway, and we stay there anyway. And even when those natural disasters and things that occur come back repeatedly, we go and we rebuild there, and we go back there. Then, of course, there's always an excuse as well. I just can't go anywhere else. My family's all here. My friends are all here. Where am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to do? Well, how about you go to a safer location in someplace that is not so prone to this type of activity and you pray for God's leading? Maybe he wants you to be there. But follow God's word. Seek his face in all things. All things give thanks in prayer and supplication. Prayer, praying for others, supplication, and seeking. And I'm going to go over to Psalm 143. David writes again and it's times when there are troubling times and David's writing this song to God <coughs> and things are going on. This is a psalm of David. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. In thy faithfulness answer me and in thy righteousness Enter not into judgment with thy servant, for in thy sight shall no man living be justified. Which is true. None can be. The only ones justified, redeemed, are those that believe in Jesus Christ and have chosen to accept that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior and that he came and he died for them and that he bled for them. That is the only redemption. And that is the only justification that we have. And God offered that because during the time when David's writing and talking about, there wasn't any. And it didn't matter what was done that there, sadly, there's no justification. How do you justify turning your back and treating others so cruelly and harshly and with such anger and derisiveness? How is there justification in that? 
How is that cleaned? The only way it can be done is in prayer, repentance, and that Jesus Christ came to wash us and that we're cleansed not only in water and baptized, but in the blood of Jesus Christ came and died for us, died for me and whoever else will hear and listen and follow. I will, I do, let's go. I will follow Jesus Christ. I do want to believe and have faith in you, Father. I want to follow the Holy Spirit's guidance. I will, I do, let's go. Further reading in 143. For the enemy hath persecuted my soul. He hath smitten my life down to the ground. He hath made me to dwell in the darkness as those that have been long dead. Therefore is my spirit overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is desolate. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all thy works. I muse on the work of thy hands. I stretch forth my hands unto thee. My soul thirsteth after thee. A thirsty land, Sila. His heart seeks the Lord, seeks the Lord's face. And he looks and he turns, even in the troubles and things that he has, he turns to God. And he looks back, remembering all the good that God has done and how God has been with him in all things. He looks back to this. And God, he's still praying to God as we read further in verse 8. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk, for I lift up my soul unto thee. Deliver me, O Lord, from mine enemies. I flee unto thee to hide me. Teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God. Thy spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. Quicken me, O Lord, for thy name's sake, for thy righteousness' sake. Bring my soul out of trouble. And of thy mercy cut off mine enemies and destroy all them that affect my soul. For I am thy servant. Now understand that some of these things that David speaks to are not talking about physical enemies. David is speaking about spiritual enemies. And of thy mercy cut off mine enemies and destroy all of them that afflict my soul for I am thy servant. Many people that read through the book of Psalms consider that David is talking about the other kings and the other kingdoms that are coming to Jerusalem and attacking the walls of the city. Granted, there were some, but much of this that David talks about, songs that he writes, poems that he writes, and talks to God about are those enemies of the spirit the enemies from within, the enemies, the minions of Satan, just like the minions that come for us, each and every one of us. Many times there are no physical enemies. Satan uses his wiles, 
and attacks us in many, many ways. We must be thankful to God in all things. Through prayer and supplication that we talk to God, we seek his face and his truth in all things, all things. All things. And again, in that, coming back to Psalms, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod, thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Wow, pretty powerful, pretty powerful. There are things that we have going on in our lives that others are not aware of and others cannot see and we choose not to share with them. I'm, I'm kind of a private guy. I'm a pretty private guy and there's things that are going on, certain things, and I don't get specific. And I don't with too many things, but I tell you this thing with my, with my little princess, my little dog that had been with me for so long, still with me. Thank you, Father. Um, and I was reminded by the Holy Spirit said that this is a gift from your Father and until He decides then she stays. And we have to remember that. That God is sovereign over all things. All things. That even is little service dog. Things that we have, see, here's the thing too. The enemy doesn't want us to believe these things. He wants us to experience doubt with that. Well, that's something God, God's not going to be interested in. That. God is interested in everything about us. God is interested in everything about his creation. The little service dogs that God builds special emotional capabilities in. Oh, yeah. They do have emotion. They do have processes. They do. I have seen too many instances. I had a pit bull, Rhodesian Ridgeback. She was a mix. This girl was an amazing, amazing dog. Such a loving, great dog. And then I had a pit bull rescue that I carried with me. And my big truck. Never taught him to be mean at all. He was protective of me. He was protective of ours. 
But when I had him out walking, and he was so good. He loved people. He loved tummy rubs. And I think I shared with you that um, that woman that came. She was about 300 yards away. Goodness gracious, I was clear out in the dog area. And she looked. I could see. She. I could barely see her. She was at the restroom. She made a point to come stomping all the way from over there, all the way to where I was, walking my dog on a leash, so he could go to the bathroom and we can continue our road trip. And she made a point to come over there and that I should be ashamed of myself and I should have this dog destroyed. Made it a blatant point to do that. The whole time she was talking to me, Brutus was rolling on his back, smiling with his tongue lolling out and rolling back and forth on her feet so she would give him a tummy rub. And I was laughing at her, actually. It, it kind of sad, but I was laughing, but I was laughing at him. And she goes, oh, you find that funny? Look at these scars. And she's showing me the scars. I was attacked by a pit bull. So she claimed. I wasn't there, so I don't know. Some of them didn't look like bites, but that's neither here nor there. Um, and she's claiming all this. And she goes, you find that funny? I said, no, I find that funny. And I pointed down at Brutus, and he was rolling around on his back waiting for a tummy rub. I said, he likes tummy rubs. And she's like, oh, my God. And she starts dancing backwards. And, of course, he abruptly gets up on his feet, and he comes back over, and he sits down next to my leg. He doesn't get aggressive with her. He doesn't bark at her. He didn't, he didn't raise his voice not one time. Although she came over with aggression and attitude. So she went back to take care of whatever she was going. Probably a good thing. She might have wet her pants. I don't know. She was really excited about things, but she took it upon herself to come all the way over there. And then the amount of time that she took there, it's a wonder. Anyway. This is how we are with each other. We judge so much by appearance. We judge so much by how something looks and how something appears. <clears throat> These poor dogs <laughs> have such a negative stigma because of looks and hearsay. And actually, historically, they were called the nanny dog. They were bred because during the Depression, families had to be out working. Mothers and fathers were both gone, and they had to have some reliable taking care of the children, something reliable to watch over the children at the house. And the nanny dog was bred. And instinctively, these dogs are with their people. And they care for them and they follow that. But yet, because of their appearance, which is incidentally most of what the negativity comes from, when people own a pit bull or talk about it, they say, oh, when people see it and how it looks from across, they'll walk across the street. It always seems to come back to their appearance. And I bring that up because this is how we are with one another. I don't look like a Native American because I don't fit the stereotype from Hippocrawood. I've been called a whitey and a white boy. And that, sadly, was from a fellow employee. But I educated him. Explained to him, I wasn't mad. I was at first. Honestly, I was at first. But the Holy Spirit calmed that down, and then we just shared. And I talked with him calmly and explained to him. See, my ancestors 
And many, actually, Native Americans don't look like Hapakawa Native Americans or Indians. They don't look that way. You go to different locations and different climates, and they're going to appear differently. My ancestors helped slaves to escape, fed them, clothed them, hid them out, and many decided to stay in that tribal way of life because that's what they were used to, and they liked it. So they stayed, had children and grandchildren. And the very real possibility of African, real, true Mother Africa blood flowing in me, more so than others, than black individuals that claim that simply because of appearance. And many people base what they believe and how they treat them based on their appearance. Brothers and sisters, let me share this with you. The tonation of skin is entirely up to God. He used the palate, the character of our hearts. We control. Don't allow the enemy in to control those patterns and for us to be derisive, separating from others, to be spiteful. That's not what we are about, brothers and sisters. We need to be praying for one another, uplifting one another, encouraging one another. Even these egregious acting politicians, and there are several, and they, they, it hurts when I think about this because of the time that I spent in the service and these things that are being portrayed on the people. But brothers and sisters, the Bible tells us that we are to pray for them. We are to pray for them. They can repent. Repentance is always available. And they can choose to do so. That is up to them. So, it is a necessary thing that we do not put them down. We do not despise them and that we don't be hateful or disrespectful to them. And, and, ah, excuse me. In Paul's letter, in his first letter to Timothy, In chapter 2, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Now, understand that the language of the Bible, when it talks about all men, it is actually talking about men and women, all mammon, that we are to do that. That we are to pray for all, and hopefully that they would come to the conclusion that repentance is the best thing for them to do. It is possible. And we thank our Lord God. And continuing in verse 2, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness, and honesty. Sadly, that's not the case that's going on right now. And why is that? Because they have turned away from God. 
one nation under God. We used to be that. I've shared with you before. I can remember when they first started televising Congress and um, State of the Unions and all that stuff. Before any of that took place, before any of the meetings and before it started to, to do the televising and all, there was a prayer, pledge of allegiance, and then they called into session and then they gave the report. Always started with prayer. I can remember when Billy Graham was invited many times to come. You don't see that anymore. They go right and they don't even say the Pledge of Allegiance anymore. Where is their allegiance to what? Allegiance to self. We need to pray for them anyway. Brothers and sisters, pray for them. They can repent. You do not have the authority to judge and say, well, I'm not going to pray for them. Look what they're doing to this country. I'm not praying for them. Excuse me? So you're telling Lord God Almighty who told Paul to remind Timothy that we are to pray for all of them that are in authority and leadership? We are to do that? You think that these writers of the Bible just penned this stuff down and wrote it down there? That is the breath of God into them that they write according to his directions. That's who wrote the Bible. Author and the finisher. He didn't write it, but he sure authored it. And these individuals, by his word and his guidance in his word, they wrote these down. God's declaration that we are to pray for them might be performing some very terrible, nasty things, but we are still to pray. The possibility of repentance is there. We cannot say, I'm not going to pray for them. Look what they're doing to these people. Look what they're doing to those people. Look what they're doing to us. Look what they're doing to me. Don't have the authority to refuse something that was given to you freely. God gave freely that his only begotten son stepped off the throne in heaven and came here to this plane of existence and died for me and anyone else that would listen. So by what authority do you decide that you're not gonna pray for them? You're not gonna pray for their strength or their repentance. They don't deserve it. Who are you to decide that? You are no one to make that decision. You cannot judge that. You are not the judge. The Almighty Lord God, Abba, Yahweh, maker of all things made. And Jesus Christ will be judge. Brothers and sisters, pray for everyone that they would have the opportunity for repentance. It is real. It is there. It's available. And that's what we're told to do. Pray one for another. I pray for you every day on my going out, my coming in. You're in my prayers. Be blessed. Be guided. Have a good day.